I am the doctor, this is my section. Earth is under my protection. Planet of birth is Gallifrey. I've got two hearts, your life is safe. Run into the master raw messy. Come on, Alonzo. Alonzi. I am a time lord. No, I'm not rich. Twelve bodies are men. Now it's time for a switch. Don't look like that. I'm in great health. You were expecting someone else. Regeneration. Oh, such fun. When I say run, run, run. What's up, my boy? Peace and sanity. Sorry, I must dash. Reverse the Polarity. Sometimes I'm north, but always a limey, wibbly, wobbly, timey, wimey. Jump in the TARDIS, go for a ride, it's bigger on the inside. Exploring all of time and space, oh, what's that? Exterminate. Cyberman or Daleks, maybe? Would you like a jelly baby? Time's ticking, we'd best go, a new adventure, Geronimo! I am fantastic, so are you best come with me, I'm Doctor Who. Welcome to a brand new episode of D4WH. I am your host, Hey Nonny Nonny. I'm Adam O'Sullivan. Joined as always by my co-host, I name the Nakia Shut. Oh, why won't you name me Carrionite? <laughs> <laughs> oh wait, are you a Carrionite? Well, I love the way that they can. Uh, how about that for a really bad facial that she has? Yeah, she goes from beautiful to. Uh... <laughs> And the uh, the other two are just like, nah, it's fine. I'll just use my normal face. Yeah. I won't go outside. Yeah, I am not getting that Botox. It's just <laughs> terrible stuff. It's poison. Oh, if only we could have magic Botox. There we go. <laughs> Joining us today, Gardy Lou, it's our trusty Beck Tech. Hello. It's been a while. Yeah, it has. It's been a while. Been a while. Been a while. <laughs> and please welcome for her first time on the show, coming to us from a far off land where women are allowed to be comedians, it's Cat. Beth Marvely. Yay! Yay! Hello! Thanks for having me, guys. This is going to be a lot of fun. Coming to us from the motherland, the UK. Yes, yes. I do sometimes use that ironically in uh, a joke. (laughs) Do you ever get called just a a colonial? No, that hasn't happened. I did have one cab driver say he reckons that they should, like, England shouldn't have let any of the colonies go. And I was like, this is awkward. didn't seem to think he'd said anything untoward and I'm like I think a lot of the globe like trying not to twitch my eye like Mm. a lot of the globe might have issues with this yeah because because you know since we broke off from the UK we've been so independent we have nothing to do with the UK (laughs) (laughs) the head of state is still the queen Except if Will and Kate want to visit and everyone's like, on the street, let's go. <laughs> yeah, everyone's on the street going, hello, governor. <laughs> it's really, I got someone asked if I was a, like a real Aussie. As opposed to a fake Aussie. Yeah, and I was like, huh, what do you mean? Oh, like, I'm like, well, original Aussies are like indigenous. Do you oh. mean like indigenous? They're like, no, no. And they're like, no, no, does your parents come from the UK? Like, are you real or are you fake? And I was like, What? <laughs> I'm like, no, I'm very real. I'm three to five generations back, thanks. I thought they might have. Have you heard the the conspiracy theory that some people believe that Australia doesn't exist? Really? Bloody internet. Yeah, it doesn't. Yeah, flat earthers. Yeah, and everyone who says they're from Australia is just an actor pretending. Oh, my God. And do we get paid? If I get paid, I'll pretend. I don't I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Let's tell the Australian government, where's that actor's payment <laughs> yeah. we should be receiving? <laughs> so what do, what do you do for work? Oh, I'm an actor, darling. I mean, I'm an accountant from Australia. <laughs> <laughs> but they'd be there going, the GFC didn't happen. 
COVID doesn't exist there. Yeah, sure, that's a real country. Mm. Yeah. As long as they have their property in the middle of nowhere and a giant shotgun for shooting rabbits, <laughs> uh, they're fine. Crazy. I feel sorry for them. I've never understood why people need shotguns. Like, they're not for hunting because y- you don't go hunting so that you can splatter the meat all over the passing tree. No, they're for protection from all the other people who have guns. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly right. Kath, would you like to go through your history with Doctor Who? Yes, my my Doctor Who history is not that extensive. Brad Daniels, who you know. Friend of the show. Years ago had like a Boxing Day party. And so Doctor Who used to play when I was a child and mum wouldn't let me watch it. Oh, your mum's a killjoy. I know. Did she say why? I think the music was quite scary then. I don't know. And my mother doesn't believe in made up stuff she doesn't believe in like the whole tract of sci-fi like at all and I don't quite like a lot of it my sister did as well anyway so it was kept away from me and then once you, then you watch the odd episode and you're like I don't really understand what's going but Brad explained it all oh yeah <laughs> that's what we do as we've been yeah, yeah he was like he's like oh it's the Boxing Day special I'm like I've never watched Doctor Who before and he's like let me explain oh, oh no and, you know, the doctor could be all different shapes and this and this and this. And then over here in my improv, improv group that I've been a member of for, I don't know, a couple of years, they have a Doctor Who improv game. Oh, God. Cool. That's Adam's wet dream right there. Yeah, it's just a little short <laughs> game, but you have to get familiar with the concepts really quickly. Like, you get to be a Dalek. You get to, like, oh, I'm the doctor. Oh, what, what sort of baddie am I and stuff. Uh, excuse me, I'm just going to pack my bags. I'm moving to the UK. Thank you very much. Yeah, me too. So, yeah, there's people, like, in the group super into it. So I've had a steep learning curve because we, we took that show to Edinburgh, so I've had to go become familiar. And I feel like I still haven't properly immersed myself enough, but I do really enjoy it. It's just, it's a little daunting now. I mean, you were like, watch this episode. And I was like, oh, my goodness, how many series are there in the BBC? <laughs> I haven't even got through yeah, like I'm like, oh no, I can't have another show. Brad didn't mention that the show's been going on for almost 60 years. Yeah, yeah. I did a podcast with some US uh, people this morning and uh, and I was like, yeah, I'm doing one tonight. My friends have this Doctor Who podcast. And he's like, yeah, it's really good because like old people have been watching it and young people watch it. So it's like 70 years of years, which like any show that goes long enough would have, but they keep, oh, it's a new doctor. People are like, no, I don't want this role anymore. They're just like, sub someone else who's entirely different in. I think it's a great, it's a great concept because you can always keep reinventing the show every couple of years. So you can keep the themes going through, but a new doctor brings a new energy, new companions. And people can have a new opinion about that. Mm. So it keeps all the viewers in so it's a brilliant concept. Well, something we're not short of in the Hoovian world is opinions. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Sometimes I wish they were. <laughs> the most eloquent description of being a Doctor Who fan was a, a post someone put up where they said, the most controversial opinion you can have about Doctor Who is that it's good. Mm. All Hoovians are like, it used to be better. Yeah. <laughs> well, I was watching like the phone box in the episode last night, Charlotte, and I was like, hang on, how have they updated this? <laughs> like, not only did they take it back to Shakespeare in England, I'm like, surely someone went, that looks a bit odd. Yeah. Well, they have updated it because the BBC owns the trademark for that police box now. It doesn't belong to the UK police anymore. Oh, really? <laughs> they had a huge court case in the uh, late 90s. 
Wow. wow. It would be controversial to change the shape of the TARDIS now. Yeah. It, it has to be a p- blue police box. People would riot. But you never see a telephone box anymore. You see the odd one over here that does British telecom, like Wi-Fi. That's it. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's probably just like a tourist attraction. Yeah, it's like police boxes at some point. They just will cease to exist. Oh, yeah. Well, the police boxes have stopped existing in the 60s, I think. Yeah. They don't have police boxes anymore. There's one at Earl's Court. When you get off the train. And everyone's waiting for that to disappear and then it, it, that's when the doctor will have left. Mm. It's kind of like the Telstra phone box that's across the road from me. I'm just like, oh, my God, it's a phone box. <laughs> <laughs> but now those phone boxes are ho- a Wi-Fi hotspots. So for, for the doctor to be relevant, he needs to have a Wi-Fi coming out of the TARDIS. Yeah. yeah. Maybe that's what that light at the top is. It's like the signal bar. <laughs> <laughs> that's like the truck reversing symbol, isn't it? Oh, watch out, guys. Just reversing beep. I'm reversing through time. (gasps) We figured it out. We've cracked the Da Vinci Code. (laughs) Well, the title of this episode is a parody of the Da Vinci Code. Oh, Oh, yeah. There were lots of layers. I was very impressed with the amount of layers that managed to squeeze into this particular episode. Mm. Well, there are some layers, and then there are just like, I'll just chuck in another Shakespeare quote. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> but the witches, oh, the witches, weren't they very, very tried and true stereotypes of witches? They were, yes. Oh, my goodness. Why can't witches be pretty? When they were writing the episode, they got it down to two different Shakespeare baddies. So they were either going to be the witches, which obviously we got, we got, or the fairies from mm. A Midsummer Night's Dream. We got the three witches from Macbeth. I love A Midsummer Night's Dream. I think the witches were better, but the masks and the, the flying away on the broomstick and everything, I was like, oh, my God. Because I wasn't looking forward to re-watching this episode because I no. didn't have fond memories of it at all. Oh. So... It was interesting to re-watch it uh, after a long period of time because I think I've only ever watched it the once. So, yeah, I found it interesting to re-watch. She's quite beautiful, the girl who plays the the worst witch. The other two actresses are like, how come she doesn't have to put on the makeup every single time? (laughs) (laughs) Because she's beautiful. I know my name's Doomfinger, but can I just wear my normal face once? Put the finger on your nose and like it. (laughs) That's a name you're not going to call your kid, isn't it? Doomfinger. (laughs) What name's that from? It's from Doctor Who, don't you know? It's kind of like that baby from Matt Smith's era called Stormageddon. (laughs) I would say Doomfinger is much better than Blood Tide. Oh, God. Here are my two children, Doomfinger and Blood Ties. Blood Tide. Oh, gosh, that doesn't sound right. I'm sure Blood Tide is the title of every, like, death metal band's first album. Mm. Or Menstruation. Mm. Their first band name. We are Doomfinger. This is our album, Blood Tide. Oh, what? I'm Doomfinger too. My mummy called me that. <laughs> Please welcome our vocalist, Lilith. Lilith. <laughs> Our episode today is The Shakespeare Code, Series 3, Episode 2, written by Gareth Roberts and directed by Charles Palmer. Originally aired on the BBC Saturday, April the 7th, 2007. Wow, that long ago. Yeah. 14 years ago. So I would have been... Two. Jeez. Oh, God. 
Eleven? <laughs> Baby. Yeah, yeah. I was twelve. We Babby. <laughs> I wasn't born yet. No, I was. I, was. <laughs> I definitely was. Two thousand and seven, I probably was just finishing my uni degree. My three year uni degree that took seven years to finish. <laughs> Was that when education in Australia was free? I wish. I wish. I'm still paying that off. I'm still paying mine off too. (laughs) My drama degree, that's why I work in finance. Yeah. I I hate to tell you this, but when I was going to uni, it was free. Oh, gee. Mm. I didn't realise you had a drama degree, Adam. I do, yeah. uh, Theatre studies. Yeah, Yeah, he's a drama queen. (laughs) (laughs) These talents don't come naturally. (laughs) Somehow I feel like the theatre degree these days would also include a couple of classes about how to, to start your own podcast. Yeah, and also how to cook, how to cook fries. No, no, you learn you learn that in the real world. I feel like mine would probably would have come with that too, being like videography and learning about audio and stuff. It would come with podcasting. No, your, yours would just be oh, and this is how you make stuff for YouTube. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, we start off as we always do with a short synopsis. The Doctor takes Martha to London 1599 to meet the great man himself, William Shakespeare. They're just there for to see a single play but something is not quite right obviously. And so they decide to stay and investigate it. It turns out that interdimensional creatures are trying to break through into our world through the use of Shakespeare plays and the doctor and Martha must help them out. That's if Martha can stop being hit on by Shakespeare. <laughs> Come on, he's pretty sexy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he's also a big philanderer, isn't he? Yeah. Twice took away in the country and he's just there like, oh, another woman. Oh, how many did he hit on in the whole episode? At least three. I mean, he did He did move to London and then four years later leave his wife. So, you know. Oh, dear. <laughs> yeah. So he's lovely. But, um, and he knows if he's been great. But they, they really adopted as if he wrote all the plays. So good for the BBC. <laughs> Yes. No, they didn't have another guy come in and be like, William, here's your play that I wrote. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes, they didn't divide anything. Obviously not real then because that's the conspiracy theory. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And there's, there's scholars that spent a lot of time on this who have determined that they, they don't they can't work out how anyone else has written it. So basically, that's the deduction. I know. They think they spend more time uh, talking about how men used to play women ca- women roles than they do about maybe William didn't write his own plays. Mm. Oh, <laughs> shocking. <laughs> the thing that occurred to me, uh, speaking of beauty uh, and the beauty myth, that uh, they've actually gone back to Shakespeare in, in England. No one should have teeth. Yeah. What? what? Yeah, everyone's teeth like rotted. We didn't have people just to just get teeth removed. Oh, no. They briefly mention it at the end when Martha goes, oh, your breath stinks, so she doesn't have to have a snog with Shakespeare. Oh. I think I would have gone for the snog anyway. Yeah, because that's where we had portraits with the mouth shut, so it didn't show you phenomenally bad teeth. Oh, my God. Did they have sugar back then? Yeah. yeah. I think only the rich had sugar, I think. But it was it was probably around this time that they all drank beer because the water was more contaminated than the beer was. Yeah, yeah I think uh, Elizabeth I had really bad teeth and bad skin, apparently. Probably because of all the makeup with the metals, like mercury or something like mm. that. Yeah, skin mm. yeah. Oh, yeah. That wouldn't have helped. Well, I hate the beginning of this episode because I hate the way he treats Martha. Oh, yes. Oh, definitely. But before that, we have the cold open, London 1599, a young man is serenading a pretty young woman. She invites him in for a bit of rumpy pumpy and he is hot to trot. Ew. <laughs> Syphilis is rampant throughout Europe and the popular treatment of the time was to administer the toxic element mercury. 
Still, worth it to get your end away, am I right? No. <laughs> but basically what they used to do was they'd have a box and then in, in the box they would heat mercury and then you'd stick your face in the box. So all the mercury fumes would go directly onto your face. Wow. Yes, but how are they curing it past the sex, though? Well, they didn't want to stop having sex. Sticking mercury in the box, putting your face in the box. What do you do after the sex? Uh, pick in the box. Uh, uh-huh. uh, yeah, yeah. I getcha, I getcha, Apparently getcha. everyone had crabs as well, though, so apparently yeah. people didn't spend long on the sex. <laughs> if only the crabs could have attacked the syphilis, like they could have cancelled each other out. <laughs> I always think of, like, tiny little crabs. Yeah, so do yeah. I. Yeah. <laughs> Scuttling sideways. Ooh, <laughs> Ow. Yeah, like like Sebastian from Little Mermaid, like you get up yeah. close to the genitals and you just hear, go on and kiss the girl. It's a new meaning to under the sea, eh? <laughs> yes. Under the sea. Under the sea. Oh. Down here you'll get crabs. Oh, yes, it's good babs, definitely. Well, that boy learned a lesson, didn't he? Our young lover need not worry about the French disease as it was known. As it turns out, his lover is actually an old witch. <gasps> she invites Mother Doomfinger and Mother Blood Tide to join in, but a young man is not interested in getting freaky, so they kill him. Aww. They Aww. eat him, do they? Yeah, I don't know. Is it just to, for sustenance, or we don't see them eat anyone else for the rest Mm-mm. of the episode? They're going to purge the entire human race, though. It looks like vampires. I don't know why they, they kill this specific person. Wow. He's easy. A randy guy. Easy to kill. <laughs> Kath, did you say they, they might be vampires? Yeah, initially, pointy teeth, I assumed vampire did. I was like, right, oh. that's what's happening. Yeah, I thought that too. Mm. I thought because of the name that was sort of akin to carnivores. Oh, yes, yeah. You know, and carrions are scavengers and, yeah. Oh, I thought I thought you meant their actual name. Hi, I'm Doomfinger. I'm a vegan. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a blood tide. <laughs> Blood tide in name, not blood tide in choice of food. Trade. Yes, uh, that's what you get for serenading a young maiden, I say. Yes. Well, look, that's always happened to me. Whenever I serenade them, they try and kill me. So It's syphilis or get killed. It's a, it's a decision. That's the singing. Especially when your voice cracks. What are you singing to them, Adam? Oh, can you have sex with me, please? <laughs> <laughs> I'd kill you. No, 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 no. Isn't there a... What's his name? Tell you that or whatever, then you still say no. Uh, who's that singer? George, George Michael. Oh. <laughs> George Michael. I want your sex. George Michael, famous for seducing young ladies. Yes. Yeah, yeah. To be fair, I think he was for a little patch of time. Well, that's what he told people anyway. Well, that's what the spin doctors told us, I think. Yeah, that he sang a song called Freedom and no one looked back. Having just picked up Martha from her brother's birthday party, the doctor takes her to Elizabethan England and they almost get covered in shit. Literally. For one trip. You get one trip. Yeah, he's so stroppy. I know. So stroppy. I mean, he's a real jerk to her. And I'm sure her shoes got splashed. Like, they didn't dwell on it, but I looked at the position of the throwing <laughs> in the bucket and I'm like, you've acted completely cool with your shoes getting splashed mm. and you've been completely inconsiderate that her shoes clearly have just got splashed. Yeah, and showing that the uh, all of the streets are probably covered in shit, they never mention it ever again. Yeah, uh, you expect that they would walk through it or horse manure or something and there's just that it's not mentioned again. I mean, obviously she takes it in a stride. I think I'd get back in the TARDIS and go, <laughs> 
take me somewhere clean. Well, they they mentioned that uh, the time's not so different. They say they have water cooler moments. I've never worked in a business that's had a water cooler. Or all of the business I've had have had like a tap that has a separate cold water. And I've never seen people gathering around being like, "Oh, did you watch Doctor Who last night?" I think it's a, an old terminology from um, another time. No, mine has a water cooler. Oh. Oh really? Yeah, it does. Do people stand around it discussing life? No, we usually just have a drink. (laughs) Yeah, it's a fallacy. It doesn't exist. Isn't it a kitchenette moment now? Don't you go into the kitchenette and talk to people? Yeah, there is a kitchen as well. Honestly, I enjoy the days when they can only have one person in the kitchen because then, uh, you know, I I wouldn't have to talk to anyone. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, because you'd be in the kitchen. You're so anti-social. I know, I know, I know. Martha is worried about changing the past by stepping on butterflies, but the doctor flippantly waves her off. I do like that line. What do you got against butterflies? Martha's other worry is being carted off as a slave. Mm. According to articles I have read, it seems that most of London's black population in the 16th century were free, although they were often hired as servants or entertainers. Mm. The Doctor takes Martha to the Globe Theatre, built in 1599, to showcase the plays of Shakespeare. To cries of author, William Shakespeare appears and receives the audience adulation. The witch from the start, Lilith, is in the audience and uses a figure of Shakespeare to make him announce the performance of Love's Labours One the very next evening. And it's a, it's a good premise, isn't it? Because Love's yeah. Labours One was never, you know, was always rumoured to be out there, but no one's ever found it. So I like the way with Doctor Who you can take a mystery and you can build your own mythology around it if no one knows i you know i do love the way they do that is that theater still there oh, they rebuilt it oh but it might close because of covid they moved it didn't they yeah they had to move it slightly and they rebuilt a whole pretend one the same shape and everything you can go there as tourists but it's been doing really poorly with covid oh oh yeah of course it, it might close it might close just the whole uk it's done <laughs> get rid of it <laughs> it's off the map yeah pretty much no, I, I was thinking they might close the Globe Theatre and what turn it into a set of offices or something. Yeah, something like that. I feel like that's what's going to happen. My my cousin lives that way down Stratford upon Avon, and um, yeah, I was going to go visit them sometime and um, and re-dose up, but no, yeah, no, it'll all be gone. No, I I remember being there uh, a few years ago, and it, but it was winter, so they weren't doing any performances. So I walked past the Globe Theatre. Mm. no, lo- loves Labor's one. Oh, no. But I do. I do. I, I just think they're very good at taking, like when Agatha Christie went missing for that period of time and no one knew where she was, they take that and they make a sci-fi story around it. I just think it's great. Yeah. As we've mentioned, Love's Labour's One is a lost Shakespeare play. There are only two mentions of the play that have been found, one from 1598 and the other from 1603. Ooh. The two theories are that it's either a sequel to Love's Labour's Lost or that it is an alternative title for an existing play. Mm. Ah, I always thought it was a sequel. It, it makes sense as a sequel, but then it could also be uh, another play and he just changed the title of it because he's like, well, I've already done Love's Labour's Lost. Mm, maybe. I've never seen Love's Labour's Lost, so I don't actually know what it's about. But I, I've seen other Shakespeare plays, so I get the gist. <laughs> They're all the same. Men dressed as women. Yeah, men men dressed as women. It's like the footy show, really. Oh. <laughs> There's a panel, people are in the audience. A lot of bogans. Basically. 
I was in a production of As You Like It, which is the one that has the all the world's a stage and we are all but players. And yeah, basically it is it's a a woman who dresses as a man because she has to hide and then she falls in love with a guy and then the guy thinks she's in he's in love with a man, but then he finds out that she's a woman. So Mulan and also what is it? She's all that. Yeah. Yeah, Shakespeare, Shakespeare got his ideas from Mulan and she's all that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> And Blackadder did an episode of that where it was a girl dressed as a boy called Bob. <laughs> and most of Adam's teenage years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Martha thinks they could tape the play and bring it to the future and make a mint. Her technology of choice, the very late 90s to early 2000s device, the mini disc. Yeah, and what? That's what she says. But wh- I don't understand why that line is even there. It told me nothing. She's saying, you know, you can go back in time, you can find all these lost masterpieces, you can bring them back to the future. I think it's a bit strange that she goes, we can make a mint. Yeah, that's not in her character. It seems so out of character. I thought it was really weird because the problem is, like, if I were to take a Picasso from history and bring it forward, no one necessarily think, like, it'd be hard to prove it was a Picasso. Yeah. Mm. Like, if you bring back Shakespeare's play and go, yeah, and the people are like, yeah, we don't think it's in his style. Mm-hmm. You'd have a lot of trouble proving provenance. No one believe you. You wouldn't make any money. I think so. Like, where did you get it from? Um, um, Op shop. I travelled in time. <laughs> Especially if you had a mini disc recording of it and you're like, this is from Shakespeare's time. Like, mm. what the hell are you talking about? Mm-hmm. That's right. She's nuts. Even if it was, how the hell are we going to read it? Mini disc was never popular. Mm. Yes. No. I remember, I don't know if theatres still do this, but I remember doing my theatre degree and quite a few theatres had switched to mini disc. And I, I they'd spend a lot of money changing their technology over to mini disc because it was, it was better than cassette tape and CDs. And I don't know if they, <laughs> they still do that or if they've gone all digital. Well, and that's what you have to do. I've got home movies of the kids on video and on the mini video disc things, I have to get it, yeah, I have to get it all transferred. For our younger listeners, mini discs were released in 1992 and were supposed to replace CDs for music whilst also replace cassette tapes for recorded sound. However, in the mid-90s, CD burners had become popular and expensive, so CDs remained. The fall of the mini disc was further solidified with the release of the Apple iPod in 2001, and at the start of the 2010s, mini discs were all but gone. I know. I had so many wonderful albums on cassette tape. <laughs> I had to throw out. They're actually coming back in, though. If you had a cassette tape in your car or you had a CD player in your car, you know, you could still get music on those. But if you had a mini disc player in your car, that very short period of time where they would have put mini disc players in your car, you're basically screwed. Yeah, it's like the people who went beta instead of VHS. Or Blu-ray. Yeah. Videos. Yeah. Who has a Blu-ray player? I, I, well, I mean, I have, a, I have a PlayStation 4 and that's a Blu-ray player. There so. you go. I think a lot of people went Blu-ray, yeah. They went Blu-ray, but then everyone was like, oh, but we'll keep the DVD player because we've still yeah mm. pretty yeah. much yeah i think you're thinking of hd dvd which was the other one that the xbox 360 was and nobody used that oh yeah i remember that it was a choice between blu-ray or hd dvd and i think the hd dvd was like you can fit most of a movie on it <laughs> not as bad as uh doing it on a vhs tape <laughs> where you can get an hour <laughs> And then you can never find it if you record it in the middle of the video. You're going all the way through it. My boyfriend still video records once a week or twice a week. (laughs) Oh, wow. Oh, that's so cute. Are you dating a 70-year-old man? (laughs) (laughs) 
I've I've recorded Sports Week again, Kath. I hope it's all right. Afterwards, we can make whoopers. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> whoopers. Recorded the billiards for you. <laughs> <laughs> yes, the billiards. Uh, a bit of darts. Yeah. You... Mm, got the darts. <laughs> yes. No, now those are beautiful athletic figures, those darts, guys. <laughs> I mean, my God. Apparently, it's a working class sport. Like. Mm. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. Darts had no meaning to me prior to the UK. No meaning. Like, oh, there's dartboard. Throw it in the pub. No worries. Like, no. If you, if you can rest your beer on your belly, you're a good darts champion. I yeah, I'm, a, I'm in that awkward moment where I'm too fat for athletics and not fat enough for darts. So. Oh my god, that's embarrassing. <laughs> I'm shunned by all of the sports. You'll get there one day, Adam. You'll get there one day. Have you thought about shot put? I used to always do shot put in high school. <laughs> <laughs> Do I look like I have the strength for shot put? <laughs> You'd still be in the athletics thing. I have no desire to be, unless it's esports, maybe. Uh-huh. <laughs> the doctor and Martha head up to see old Willie Shakes. Willie Shakes. Willie Shakes. <laughs> and he is enamoured with Martha, even after she tries to adapt to the language of Shakespeare's plays. Oh, I did like that. <laughs> uh, no, please don't. Please don't do yeah. that. <laughs> Shakespeare, in turn, insults Martha by using some of the racial slurs from the time that could be said on the TV in the mid-2000s. That could be said now. Probably. Because nobody watches TV anymore, so... They could say it and nobody would care. Well, it was, they were historically accurate what they said. In the mid-2000s. But yeah, I, I just like the look on her face. <laughs> <laughs> you what? <laughs> I beg your pardon. I did think despite all the racist epitaphs he was throwing, right, he still having a crack, wasn't he? Yeah. yeah. Mm. yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, you just, like, line up your, your, your systems in place like, oh, I'm going to offend you one moment. Oh, by the way, ho-ho. I know, I love that, hey, nonny, nonny. <laughs> it's like an old person from the war being like, I know I used to fight them, but now I yeah. don't mind the, you know, yeah. such and such. It's basically one of those assholes you meet in a pub, but everywhere back then. It's like you couldn't yeah. escape them. Or, or those old guys who say to you, oh, you're really pretty. Am I allowed to tell you you're really pretty? Yeah. Is that, is, will you be offended? Yeah, I am now. <laughs> Or the old guys who are like, you used to be able to tell women they had cracking tits, but you can't do that these days. <laughs> <laughs> They're so sensitive. <laughs> They're so sensitive. I don't know what to do with myself. I don't know. Have some respect for women, maybe? Uh, Perhaps not mention tits. <laughs> what a concept. I've got blue tits outside. I've got little blue tits outside. They're just big. Blue tits. <laughs> blue tits. Yeah. The 30s. Blue tits, yeah. The 30s. That's very cold. <laughs> Sorry, love. I was talking about the blue tits before behind you. I'm a bird watcher. Shut up. I'm cold, buddy. I'm cold. like those comedy skits where it's just like, oh, yeah, she's got a nice pair of melons and it's just a woman holding, like, melons. I know. Yeah. <laughs> Double entendre, single entendre. Now with millennial human, it's like, she's got a lovely pair of melons and you turn around and she's just holding her tits. Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> millennial humor. You are a millennial. I don't know what the hell you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, you, you and I are spo- supposed to both be millennials and I think we are two different generations. Yeah, I'm 80s, you're like 60s, 70s. I have to be a bit careful because being brought up in the era I was, there are things I should be offended at that I don't realise because I've had it most of my life. And people will say things and they, is it, did you, were you offended? What? 
Oh, yes, yes, I'm horribly offended. What did they say? (laughs) The doctor whips out his psychic paper, but to Shakespeare it's blank, proving he is a genius. Yes. Mm. I love how Martha's like, but I can see it. What are you talking about? (laughs) She's not a genius. She's not a genius. Mm -hmm. The Lord Chancellor enters and demands to see the script of Love's Labours One. However, as the script is unfinished, he cancels the opening night performance. Leaving, he encounters Lilith, who mentions his head as she steals a hair for her spells. Even mm. though the Chancellor has an enormous beard, and it would have been much easier just to steal some beard hair. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Apparently you need you need head hair for the Carrier Knight spells. Mm-hmm. Maybe the beard hair isn't magical enough. Oh, maybe. Well, it's always prickly. No one likes it. No one wants to kiss it. It's always got, like, food hanging in it. You know, bleh. Lilith dunks the Lord Chancellor's doll in water and he drowns. That was, um, I quite enjoyed the graphics, uh, the way they did that with the spewing the water out and sort of running around. And I just I just wonder how many times he had to do that because they just keep cutting back, cutting to him, cutting back, cutting to him. Yeah, maybe he was like, oh, I'm sick of spitting water out. <laughs> <laughs> this alerts the doctor that something is not quite right here. However, if Lilith had to just followed the Chancellor down a dark alley and stabbed him, nobody would be as suspicious. Oh, no, Lilith, dickhead. Absolute dickhead. <laughs> She's got to use magic for everything, oh, guys. I know. What a show off. <laughs> you can't just, like, use a skank and <laughs> shank somebody. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe they don't know how to just murder people normally. They're like, oh, no, we, only, we have to use these specials now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know you could have just <laughs> shot him. No. <laughs> They're like, does anyone want a drink? And then they use magic. You're like, you could have just poured us a drink. Like, no, I've got to use magic. <laughs> magic. <laughs> The Doctor suspects witchcraft. Back at Shakespeare's, he deduces many things about the two, such as Martha is a doctor. He's probably just surprised that she didn't prescribe everyone mercury. Mm. <laughs> Here and now, here's a leech. <laughs> yes. yes, have some more leeches with that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Let me just cut open your leg and bloodlet it. Yeah. That'll be fun. It'll be good for you. What's that, what's that chick's name? Blood. Blood something? Blood tide, yeah. Blood tide. Blood tide. letting, blood tide. Yeah. How do you cure this disease? I don't know. Blood tide, probably. Mm. If that doesn't work, use doom finger. <laughs> we used to use maggots to clean out the wounds as well. Yeah. Oh. Apparently oh. that does work. Yeah. My dad actually wears a magnet on his belt to help with his sore back. A maggot. Does the work? Or a magnet. A magnet. A magnet. Not, a magnet. Yeah. Not a maggot. No. A maggot wouldn't help with your back. A magnetic magnet. Yeah, it's a magnet. It clips to his belt next to the onion that is tied to his belt, which was the style at the time. Okay. (laughs) Jesus, is your dad worried about witchcraft? (laughs) (laughs) Do you have garlic as well? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a Simpsons reference. The Doctor and Martha have been given the one room to sleep in, even though the Doctor has a spaceship with infinite rooms in it. Yeah, I thought it was weird that they didn't head back to have a nice sleep. No, there's just to share the one bed. Well, they've got to be in the centre of the action. And also, we have to set up that Martha's in love with the Doctor and the Doctor's a dickhead. Well, also, and also the appalling small size of beds, it turns out, in Shakespeare in England. That, that also came through. But also, Shakespeare's still interested even when the Doctor and Martha share the one room. He's like, I don't know what happened in there, but I'm still going to have a crack. Yeah. And, of course, then the Doctor has to go, hey, Rose said no. Rose, Rose, Rose. Rose, Rose, Rose. I'm sick of Rose by this time when I was watching it the first time. They didn't even use the line, a Rose by any other name. I can't believe it. Oh. No, they 
didn't. Wait, they didn't? No, they I didn't. I they did. Oh. A rose by any other name, i.e. Martha. Mm-hmm. Martha compares the witchcraft to Harry Potter, and the Doctor mentions he's read the final book, which was released three and a half months after this aired. And he cried. So that's that's what time period we're in. Oh, really? Back when J.K. Rowling's was uncontroversial. Yes. Oh, yeah, she's very controversial now. Yeah, a couple of references there. Well, and you would think you reference J.K., you're going to be fine. There's not going to be some scandal, controversy. Kath, just for your knowledge, even the most recent episode mentioned J.K. Rowling, and that was filmed like a year and a half ago. And uh, within that time, it's like, uh uh-oh, things have become real controversial since then. Mm -hmm. Mm. Yeah. The doctor tells Martha to come to bed and can't even see how in love with him she is. Come to bed, Martha. Come to bed, Martha. Mm -hmm. In fact, he's so oblivious that he mentions his ex, Rose. I just want to slap him in some of these episodes with her. I just want to slap him. That has nothing to do with the episode, does it? You just want to slap him. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I just I just was there going, be a gentleman. Lie on the floor, mate. Give her the bed. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Look how tiny this bed is. I was like, how about you sleep on the floor? Or be like, how about you have the bed and I'll go back to my spaceship that has a lot of rooms in it. Or or I'll sit in a chair. Meanwhile, Lilith sneaks into Shakespeare's room and uses her potion and doll to make him write the ending to Love's Labour's One, just how her and the witches want it. The bartender comes up to give Shakespeare his special treat. Oh, poor Dolly. Special (laughs) treats. And interrupts Lilith, who kills her. I felt sorry for Dolly. She was... Good. Yeah, everyone liked Dolly. Yeah. She knew Shakespeare intimately. Mm. They were just building up. They just have to build them up as really, really bad guys. They just have to have to kill random people. But then they had to kill someone that everyone's like, oh, but we like her. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, then kill her. If they don't know how to use magic, they're like, ah, fuck it, I'll just kill her. Yeah, see, killing the guy who owned the Globe Theatre who had to read the play, that, that didn't make you bad because he was a baddie anyway. No one liked him. Yeah. But killing Dolly, just in case you weren't convinced with the young guy who was in love with her, we've got someone else to kill. The doctor hears the scream and races over. The bartender is dead. Shakespeare jumps awake and Martha sees a witch flying off on her broomstick. Yeah. Yes, very realistic, wasn't it? Is that what they're calling them these days? Hey, to be fair, there are uh, episodes this same series where the CGI looks like a PlayStation 1 game. (laughs) Yeah. So, comparatively, this is actually top-notch CGI. That was pretty bad. They go to investigate the globe with its 14 sides. The Doctor realises the architecture of the theatre has been designed to enhance words, words to change people's minds. So they head off to see Peter Street, the architect of the Globe Theatre. Peter has been locked up in Bedlam, raving about witches. You know, when I was a kid, my mum used to say to my sister and I when we drove nuts that we were driving her to Bedlam. And I used to wonder what Bedlam was. (laughs) And where it was, how much further? Are we there yet, Mum? Yeah. <laughs> or she'd say it's Bedlam around here. I'd go, what? <laughs> Where the hell's this Bedlam we're driving you to? <laughs> <laughs> to bed? Get in the car, Cheryl. We're off. <laughs> there was a massive threat, like, held over people back then because people could lie and people would do this when because they, they couldn't get divorces. They'd send their wife there. Jesus. 
Mm. They get them locked up to eternity and stuff. It really was awful too because they did have people go through to do tours and poke, you know, feed the animals sort of stuff. I mean, abysmal. I mean, uh, one of our friends had a list of from the, the turn of the century where it was basically like the, the reasons that women could be sent to the madhouse. And it was basically like caring about yourself more than your husband. It was it was, mm. it was stuff like that, basically. Yeah, yeah. Talking too much. Basically, if you didn't throw, throw yourself uh, on top of your husband, attacker it was like oh well she doesn't give a damn about the husband nuts <laughs> why would she care about her own well-being well if you're in my house we my sister and i were driving mum to bedlam so there you go oh I, d- I didn't know you could drive at such a young age no well i would grow up on a farm oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah now you'd have thought going to see the crazy man raving about witches would be the first place you'd go after you see witches and actual witchcraft but the, do- the doctor decides to go to the theater instead I don't understand that. Parts of this feel like it's just padding, like, oh, let's go over here, let's go over here, let's go over here. Shakespeare hands off the last scene to the actors, telling them to get ready in case the Queen might visit to see the performance, but but, but, but lamenting that she probably wouldn't. But 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 but, 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 but lamenting that she probably wouldn't. Love's Labour's Lost is thought to have been written specifically for its first performance before Queen Elizabeth. Ooh. The 1598 published edition title also states, as it was performed before Her Highness this last Christmas, meaning Willie has already met the Queen. Ooh. Who cares about continuity? Yeah, who cares about history? That's what the nerd is for. Mm-hmm. Shakespeare flirts with both Martha and the Doctor, causing him to remark 57 academics just punched the air. (laughs) This is a reference to some academics, probably around 57 of them at one point, who think that some of Shakespeare's sonnets were written to a man, thus proving his bisexuality. I think they probably weren't so hung up on it in those days. I think it was warm bodies. Warm bodies, warm beer. It all depends if the vicar was involved, wasn't it? (laughs) Ooh. Don't tell the vicar. If the vicar was involved, it was definitely bisexual. (laughs) At Bedlam, Willie Shakes laments his own madness at losing his son, but decides the line, to be or not to be, might be too pretentious. (laughs) (laughs) Peter Street, brother of Quality Street, mad as a hatter. (laughs) Quality Street, I love those chocolates. (laughs) So do I. Uh, And the guy who plays Peter Street uh, also plays the uh, addict on uh, Peep Show. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. I didn't recognise him with those horrible teeth. <laughs> That's all you were looking at, not his eyes. Yeah, I kept going, I'll clean him. Clean him! The doctor mind melds with him and gets him to tell the story of the creation of the Globe Theatre. Witches whispered the designs for the theatre and got him to add the 14th walls. Mm. He rele- reveals the location of the witches, but they have been watching and Doomfinger has turned up to have her own chat with the doctor. Yes, she's uh, she's having quite the time, isn't she? Yeah. Old Doomfinger. It's quite the outing for Doomfinger. <laughs> I must say, Doomfinger and Blood Tide are just are chewing oh, scenery. Oh. Mm, mm. But she's like, woo, I'm out. Hey, it's like us after a COVID lockdown. Woo, hey. <laughs> Going around touching people's hearts. Touch you, touch you. <laughs> Doomfinger just sounds like a weird condom brand as well. Yeah. Oh, yeah. pop on your Doomfinger. Yeah. <laughs> If Ansel heard that, they'd be like, right, remarket, rebrand. <laughs> Don't worry, honey, I've got a doom finger. <laughs> Metal for her pleasure. Doom finger, doom finger, don't have kids, don't have kids. Doom your future sperm. Can also be used during blood tide, blood tide. Jesus Christ. 
<laughs> what is blood tired? What are you doing in blood tired there, Adam? Usually just cramp up. Yeah, you get headaches, cramp up. Okay, okay. <laughs> Hot water bottle. Okay. Oh, blood tired. Does yours come with the moon too? <laughs> yeah. Doomfinger kills Peter Street with a touch, which poses the question, why did they let him live after he built the Globe Theatre? Why not kill him? Mm-hmm. Ah, well, then how could the doctor find out what happened, Adam? Yes, I know for story reasons why he's still alive, but... Well, he's nutty. No one believes him. Maybe they wanted him to suffer. Maybe one of them had a crush on him and was like, please don't kill my Peter Street. Yes. I love him. Oh, you do not, Doomfinger. He said he'd put a Doomfinger on for me. <laughs> God. I feel like everybody kind of stands back and just lets her kill him. It's like nobody really has a go at stopping her. They're all on the other side being like, no, don't kill don't the do crazy it. man. Mm. No, don't do oh, it. Well. He has a horrible life being whipped for mm. the pleasure of aristocrats. Mm. Don't, don't do it. Let him go. He's only in this so that he can be, he can be killed to show how bad they are. <laughs> He's basically like the jock in a horror movie. Yeah. Ah. He's like, don't worry, babe. Even though there's a sound outside, we should still have sex. (laughs) (laughs) I won't let anything get you. Yeah. Uh, I don't know how many loony killers turn up when I'm having sex with my husband. (laughs) (laughs) You go camping a lot. Yeah. <laughs> Just at home nowadays. <laughs> you have to get them to book online now, don't you? So that they yeah. don't all turn up at the same time. Yeah, and they've got to check in with the QR code that you've got tattooed on your butt. Yeah. <laughs> oh, sorry. I thought it was my time. I'll I'll wait over here for a bit. Okay, you, you have yours. Uh, 1.5 metres, matey. That's all right. My machete is 1.5 metres long. Oh, good, good. It's 10 metres over here. It hasn't worked, though. <laughs> no, no. Ah, oh, ours is 1.5. How is it 2 metres and you're... 1.5 and yet we're still in lockdown. It's the, the, the difference between metres and feet. You know. <laughs> I think it's because we uh, stopped anyone who came overseas had to quarantine. I think that probably is what's safe. Yeah, they're going to bring that in and bring that in in two weeks' time. A little late, Kath, a little late. <laughs> it's, only 11, it's only 11 months yeah. after well, Australia. Although now they're finding that, you know, everyone who's looking after the people who are quarantining are also getting sick and bringing it into the community. So, you know. We're trying. We're trying. It's an interesting thing because I was listening to someone saying that the trouble in the US and the UK or the difference between them and Australia is that as Australians we we might bitch and moan but we pretty much just follow rules so if they say well you've all got to quarantine and do this we go okay and we do it where they said in the UK and US that they don't have that same sort of oh well we'll just follow the rules I don't know you're in the UK what do you think? I sort of agree. Yeah, it's it's a very weird, like, and a lot of people still don't wear masks in shops mm. until quite recent with this last lockdown where a lot of supermarkets were like, no, nah, you're not coming in. Like, basically, they were like, no, you know what? Enough of this. Everyone needs to do their own thing and be independent. They're like, you know what? No. You're not going to come in and end date because shopkeepers are the ones who are getting it the worst. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's just interesting that as Australians, if you think about it, we are pretty much, you know, this is for the good of the community. Oh, all right, we'll do it. Yeah, the complaint about health and safety, which you'd find very funny, Nakia. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like Being in health and safety. They're like, they're like, oh, health and safety, you can't do anything <laughs> these days. And you're, like, yeah. you're like, you have to see nothing. You haven't seen the rules. Like over here, there's just there's this local park. It just has stairs down a hill, like really super steep. It's got no handles. They don't even, you know, not staircases without handles in the UK. You see it on Grand Designs all the time and you're like, 
Well, you just put yourself a glass staircase with no handle and you think that's a good idea, right? I mean, don't they have planning laws? No, well, obviously not, whereas where they say, like, fence your pool, we are, no, all right. <laughs> I'm not happy, but I'll do it. Nikia, you work in health and safety, so you're used to people being like, what do you mean I can't juggle knives or walking in a tightrope? Oh, it's health and safety gone mad. That's right. What, I can't cut my leg off at work today? Oh, thank you. <laughs> Yeah, I did a risk assessment and you're not allowed to juggle knives in the common kitchen anymore. Damn it. They're taking all the fun out of life. Where am I supposed to practice? On the floor? (laughs) You can juggle knives with corks in the end. (laughs) There's no fun in that. There's no fun. (laughs) Doomfinger threatens to kill them all, but the doctor figures out who they are. Carrionites who use the power of words instead of the power of mathematics. He names them and Doomfinger is repelled. I was hoping she'd die, but no. Yeah, I thought she. I thought I remembered she did, and then I kept watching. And I was like, "Oh, she comes back." Mm. I got better. She was just a little singed. She turned me into a duck. Well, I got better. I got better. He sent me back to be with my <laughs> friends. Oh, how devastating! Like, yeah, woo. Like the, you know, if they if that kept working, it'd just like, oh, send you back, send you back, send you back. Like, oh, I just I gotta get. It, it, it's like dying in a video game. You have to just start from a, the start of the level and go back there. Yeah, it was exactly like that. Not a real death. No. I'm just restart again. Yeah, I, I would have been more impressed had that killed her, but anyway. But then they would have needed four of them so they could have a sacrificial doom finger. Yeah. Ah. Sacrificial doom finger. Well, they didn't need three of them. Yeah, when they when they came up with the name Doomfinger and Bloodtide and Lilith and they had they ran out of ideas. Yeah, Lilith. I mean, they really just didn't keep it going, did they? <laughs> well, apparently it was just supposed to be like an old-sounding name that was mystical and... Marge. Yeah, that was... It was a mismatch. Yeah, back then, I'll have you know, Doomfinger was the third most popular name to name a child, so... <laughs> Right up there with Elizabeth. <laughs> Elizabeth Lilith Doomfinger. Doomfinger. Fabulous girl's name. <laughs> Bloodtide. Bloodtide was 15th. It wasn't that popular. Mm, it's a boy's name too. I was just thinking this little chat about bubonic plague, like pandemics made me think, did they have the bubonic plague in like Shakespeare in England? Could they have brought that back? Yeah. Yeah, see, they could have brought that back. Yeah, well, you would hope that they'd be inoculated. I don't know. I never think about that, but yeah. We're not inoculated for plague. Oh, well, you might not be Kath, but I am. <laughs> Wait, what? No, no, there's six people or so a year in the US yeah. that die from it. It's so weird. It's coming back. Don't you remember that bit in the episode where Shakespeare goes, ah, oh, my young boy, he died of the pox, which doesn't exist really. It's all a, it's conspiracy. a conspiracy. And I know it wasn't real and uh, it was made up by the government. <laughs> <laughs> he would he would have said it a little bit better than that, but, you know. Verily die sooth. Today's Doctor Who villain is, ding, 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 the stuff of legends. No one knew they were real. Probably a bedtime story told to scare little children. We do get that a lot in Doctor Who, don't we? They're uh, they're from the ancient times. They thought they were a myth and, and suddenly they're right. He should stop saying, I thought they were a myth. And just every crappy bedtime story he heard as a kid, he should just say, real, real, real. At what point do the companions go, all right, show me all of the bedtime stories. We'll put it on a chart. <laughs> (laughs) and I will just tick them off as we meet them, okay? (laughs) What do you mean humans were a bedtime story that were told to you? God damn it. (laughs) Shakespeare rushes over to the globe to stop the play, but Doomfinger and Bloodtide have their own box seats like an evil Stutler and Waldorf. It's like nobody notices them. Yeah. I mean, I know everyone was a bit old and craggy looking then, but come on, they're really old and craggy looking. Hey, you know what this performance needs? 
Uh, all of our race coming to kill all of humanity. Oh! <laughs> 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 they're in the rich seats. Yeah. So if you're in the rich seats, everyone else does have a good... Yeah. Who's in the rich seats? Who's in the, who's in the good seats? Nobody looked up and went, bloody hell, that's ugly, right? That is ugly. Or at the box office, they're like, I'm sorry, we're completely full. What's this box up here? Yeah, I don't know. It's empty, but I can't sell any tickets to it. I don't know why. They use Will's doll, doll to knock him out, but why don't they just kill him? They don't need him anymore. The play's been written. Oh, I know. But then if they kill him... Yes, I know. They would have changed mm-hmm. history. The Doctor and Martha head to All Hallows Street to confront the final witch, but not before explaining that time travel in Doctor Who works like Back to the Future. I assume the Doctor will play Johnny B. Good at the Globe <laughs> Theatre before the episode is out. Oh, that would be so cool. Watching David Tennant doing that. Your descendants are going to love this. Yes. <laughs> but it was good because it lets Martha really oh, okay, I'll fade away. So <laughs> not that she would fade away, I suppose, but yeah. Vesuth, verily, you know that sound that your, <laughs> uh, your, your ancestor will be looking for? Lilith invites them in and the doctor just walks straight in. Lilith shoots off a name at Martha and knocks her out. She tries similar to the doctor, but all she finds is the name Rose. Pissing off the doctor. Mm. Oh, pissing off Nakia as well. <laughs> See, I'm sort of of the opinion. I'm like, why is Martha just bothering to hang around this jerk? I'm just like, I don't understand. I'm like, yeah. Shakespeare had to chatter up. The worst thing, I think, is that no other companion had to have quite the nasty side of the doctor early on. Uh, yeah. I, I'm like, I'm with you, Kath. Why is she hanging around? Yeah, she can travel through time, but this guy's an insensitive clod. Yeah. I was like, no, no, I would have, I would have, no, no, there's other people you could be in love with. Just go have your life. Mm. This one's not quite right. Yeah. Mm. Go find your rose. Even after he's been so insensitive to her at the start, they get a room together and she's like, oh, now I can make out with him. Mm. It's like he's been a bastard to you the entire episode. The only redeeming thing as, as the episode goes, he starts to see her worth and starts to sort of, you know, you've saved me again, that sort of stuff, mentions about having her around. So he does get better, but, yeah. Oh, like, you stand around anyone long enough, they'll notice you're there. Like, it's not the same. (laughs) (laughs) They're appreciating that you're there, is it? (laughs) Oh, yeah, you're there. Could you get me a cup of coffee? I'll bring it. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that's right. Oh, you've got two legs and a heartbeat. You'll be useful. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) But, you know, Rose was a good companion and then they just dragged it out too much and made you get sort of, you know, ugh, I'm over Rose now. You know, I want the doctor to get over it. Nah. Anyway. I was like that with Martha pretty much from day one because I was trying to make her be a secondary Rose. So I was just like, oh, come on. They, they did her a shonk. They did a <laughs> terrible disservice to her, didn't they? They did. They just like, she could have been such a great character, but they're just like, secondary Rose. Mm. Yay. I was just like, no, Rose is her own character. Martha should be her own character too. Yeah. Secondhand Rose. The Carrionites were banished, but the madness of William Shakespeare on the passing of his son allowed three of them to arrive on Earth. Their plan is to use the words of the play and the shape of the globe to bring the rest of the Carrionites to Earth. Lilith nicks a bit of hair and creates a David Tennant puppet, which I'm sure many Whovians have also done. (laughs) I'd like her puppetry skill. (laughs) Turns out the puppet is an advanced form of science called a DNA replication module. Mm. And I'm sure that Lilith is taking that back to create her own Doctor Who fanfiction as we speak. Mm -hmm. And she's licking it. 
head. <laughs> and then the Lilith doll comes in and they're like, meh, 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 meh. Lilith stabs at the puppet, stopping the Doctor's heart. However, she is unaware that the Doctor has two hearts and flies away before finding out he is mostly all right. I like that uh, Martha saves him. And then we have a replication of that later on in Matt Smith's Doctor with Amy when one of his hearts stops. But I like that. How do you walk around with these things? (laughs) (laughs) It just, it seemed to uh, come back really quickly, though. Oh, it's the Doctor. Yeah, it didn't didn't seem slowed down. I'm like, (laughs) oh, just a moment. Oh, oh, now I'm fine. I'm like, right, that's nice, isn't it? That's a nice deal to It'd be nice to have two hearts, I would think. Well, look, if you're on a plane and one of the engines goes out, it's totally fine. Don't worry about it. That's right. <laughs> as long as they don't shut down the wrong engine. <laughs> All right. Everyone bang on the windows to get the, the engine started again. <laughs> Apparently when flights open, we shouldn't get on planes because everyone will have forgotten how to fly for like a few months. Oh, jeez. Yeah, there's there's reports of uh, a pilot saying how rusty they are because they haven't flown for so long. Yeah, okay, I'll wait a year. Just even if you haven't driven for six months. Yeah. Yeah, I'm like, oh, minimum of three months. Yeah, we get their skills up again. Yeah, I think I forgot how to talk to people during COVID because you're so locked <laughs> in. Some people did, yeah. People say hello and you go, hello? <laughs> I've got to relearn how to sing my Please Have Sex With Me song. You know, it's 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 doing us all a disservice. Which has never worked pre-COVID or post-COVID. Is that in your Tinder bio? Link here to hear my, my special song. <laughs> well, I have to adapt the lyrics to say, I'm pretty sure I don't have COVID now. But if you want me to get tested, then I will. Anything for a root. I was thinking, you know, post-COVID, is there going to be like, oh, baby, I love it when you cough on me. We weren't allowed to do it for so long, but now I love it. I really hope not. No, me too. For everyone's sake, because I just can't have that mental image. Oh, okay. Well, don't look at my Tinder bio then, because I've, uh, I've updated it. So. <laughs> uh, <laughs> just wait a few years and you go on Silver Singles. Silver Singles. <laughs> what about Christian Mingle? Oh, oh. <laughs> All I know about Christian Christian Mingle is that there's a movie about it with Lacey Chabert in it. Yeah. Oh. Not not that I need to. I've been married 20 years, but I have heard good things about Bumble. Bumble's pretty good, yeah. (laughs) Dave recommended it to you, did he? Yeah, Dave said, I tell you, the girls I'm picking up on this, Nick, (laughs) get on it. He's like, not Madison, (laughs) but maybe Bumble. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Look, I went on to Christian Mingle and all that happened was they told me how bad I was, which was... Which was mm. nice, finally, but it was the wrong kind of bad. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't like you're bad. It was like you you are bad. You're going to hell. Yeah. <laughs> you need to get converted quick. Yeah. <laughs> hey, do you want to have a quickie conversion? Yeah. <laughs> Does it involve sex? I'll do it. Well, uh, considering everything I know about Christian uh, teenage groups, uh, yeah, it probably does involve sex. (laughs) There you go. Most people in Redcliffe who are young girls who are pregnant uh, got that way through their Christian groups. Ah, youth group. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Not being taught how to use their doom fingers. Mm -hmm. Girls don't know how to use their doom fingers. Yes. Well, if they use their doom fingers, they wouldn't have any need for for guys. In that one, it was a euphemism for a dildo. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. At the Globe, conveniently, the players are about to end and the final words of Love's Labours 1 are being spoken, allowing a portal to allow the Carrionites through. Now, I don't believe that because any actor worth their salt, or certainly any actor that I know would have reached, would have just changed the words to fit in with something that they thought was better. They had less than a day to learn the words, you know. True. He says the night before, we're going to perform it tomorrow night, and he gives them the play that morning. Jeez, that's impossible. Well, then they wouldn't wouldn't have known them for sure. (laughs) 
At one point, one of the guys makes up his own version. He's like, please forgive our irksome Will. He's had too much beer and is feeling ill. It's like, do the actors constantly just, oh, just fucking make it up myself. Don't worry about it. Is that what improv is? Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, but there isn't a guy who comes out at the end and being like, I wrote all of that. Thank you very much. Oh, yes, yes. Yeah, you really need to stop doing that at improv, Adam. <laughs> <laughs> they should have a bit where they're like, you know that bit that you improvise, to be or not to be? I like it. I think I'm going to write that down. Mm, it's mine. The witches usher forth the millennium of blood. I personally would prefer the willennium that Will Smith promised us. Oh, Really? What is the Willennium? Yeah, what is the Willennium? It was an album he released in 1999 called Willennium. Oh, okay. It had Wild Wild West on it. Ah. It had other songs. Obviously other songs than one. It was an album. It didn't have the one song that was already on a soundtrack album for the movie that no one went to see. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) The Doctor urges the now-conscious William Shakespeare to improvise a speech to send back the Carrionites. He does so, ending with a suggestion from Martha, Expelliarmus! Yay! (laughs) I love that. Oh, dear. I did too. Even even more than all those, they did that. Everyone else was like, they're going, they look like Death Eaters, don't they? Mm. Yeah. They were. I was like, this is very Death Eater. And then, yeah, I was like, oh, okay. Okay. A little a little bit of a nod to Harry Potter there. Yeah, it was a very English centric, like overall episode. I was like, ah, oh, I think I know why Adam and Akira have asked me for this one. <laughs> You're hoping I've got some English perspective on what's going on, like the theatre and J.K. Rowling and Harry Potter and when you land in the UK you you get taught all about Shakespeare, is that correct? Yeah, mm. yeah. It just it's this um C D they give you and they're like, Well, to live here more than a month. You learn this. Yeah. Yeah. You actually can't get out of Heathrow until you know. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, if your CD is too big to carry, you get your mini disc. Yeah, yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> It's like if you go to uh, primary school and, and high school here in Australia, you don't learn about our Indigenous culture. So no. sort of like that, yeah. But you do learn about Ned Kelly. Yeah. Yeah, you do do bush dancing for some reason. Yeah, bush dancing is fun. And, and Dirk Hartog. What? Why anyone ever taught me about Dirk Hartog is still beyond me. And you get to do the nut bush, which no one else in the whole world knows the nut bush dance. Yeah. yeah, yeah it- <laughs> I never realised that. It should be our national dance. I think it, it is. is. Let's just, like, every time somebody comes into an airport here, we just, like, put on the nut bush and everyone just breaks into the nut bush, like some sort of cult. We do the dance for them. Yeah. <laughs> it's our haka. You get off the plane and someone's like, nut bush city limits, nut bush city limits. Yeah. Man. Yeah. And, like, Tina Turner, I swear I remember seeing a clip where she was doing the dance. And so the dance comes from well, somewhere, just no one else does it. It has to come from somewhere. Don't you remember the ads from when we were kids or teenagers where she was doing the theme for the NFL. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. It was the NFL. I mean, the NRL. Yeah, NRL, where she's singing Simply yeah. the Best. Yeah, but she wasn't doing the Madison. I know the Madison. I do. I learned it for Esprit. She was doing the bus stop. Da, 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 da. When did the nutbush sort of happen? Was that like an Expo 88 or something? Like, what, what, where, how did everyone all of a sudden learn the nutbush in Australia? I learned to do the nutbush 
song, but they called it the Madison. But I learned to do those steps at Tullabudgera Camp when I was 11. Right. So that's in the 70s. Wow. Was it done to Nutbush City Limits or? Yeah. Right. So basically the, the dance existed, the song came, and everyone was like, oh, the beats fit perfectly. Let's do it. Yeah, this works really well. Right. I don't know. I just thought everyone did that. Let me just look it up. Oh, good on you. I believe it was created in uh, uh, nightclubs in the 70s in Australia. The um, popularity is apparently part of the reason the Nutbush is popular because it has such a long introduction that there's time for everyone to get to the dance floor and do it. <laughs> I remember in the 80s everyone on the dance floor doing the bus stop and everyone would line up and do the bus stop. Now, I don't think I could tell you how to do the bus stop anymore, but I can still do the Madison. Is that where you stand there and you're like, the bus is late, the bus is late, the <laughs> no, bus is late. it's a song, do the bus stop, do the bus stop. Yeah, to the right, to the left. It's it's a lot like the Nutbush City Limits one, which I was taught was called the Madison. Yeah. No, the Madison's um, yeah. different. Yeah, there's a different mm-hmm. Madison. The Nutbush. I know both. Of course you do. Did you find out where the, the Nutbush City Limits dance came from? Uh, yeah, it's just a song, like it came out of the... Primordial ooze. <laughs> says in the 1970s disco era, but it became popular in the 1980s in Australia as part of most Australian curriculum. Yes, mm. that's the thing. You learn that. You weren't, you, I mean, I don't know. We learned a little bit of Indigenous culture when I was a kid. No, we didn't. No, we didn't. We didn't learn anything. <laughs> the nut pushes as close to Indigenous culture as we learned. No, we didn't. We didn't, know. We, we learned. Because I went to Indurupilli State School. Oh, right, of course, yeah. yeah. In Indurupilli means river of running water or leeches, depending which interpretation you take. Oh, yes. I went to Kipper Ring, so that, and that was an Indigenous word. And so that, that was basically the extent of our Indigenous culture. Yeah, no, we learnt nothing, but we learn about the Dutch, Dirk Hartog, who apparently came here first, and then Captain Cook, and it was called European Settlement. And it was years later, I was... Uh, you know, an adult and somebody talked about the invasion and I'm thinking, when did we get invaded? And then I went, oh, that's right. (laughs) We invaded. It took me a couple of minutes to go, what, what? (laughs) So I urge everyone, if you're not from Australia, if you're one of our overseas listeners, please go out, search out the song, Tina Turner, Nutbush City Limits, listen to it and understand that in Australia, when you're when you're a, a kid and a, a teenager or even young adulthood, you would hear this song pretty much every single week. You would do this dance to it that everyone knows. Right now, whenever there's a wedding, it always gets put on. It's like the chicken dance. It just happens. It would be at every social. Every time people got together and got drunk, eventually the song would be put on and everyone would do yep. the dance together. To be fair, I don't actually know if anyone else does the chicken dance <laughs> Oh, oh no! Really? Oh god! <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, that'd be us. No, 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 no. Americans do it too. Do they? Because I'm like, please tell me the Germans do it. <laughs> no one seems to know about that over here. Right? I don't have to tell you. Oh <laughs> I don't understand the joy of singing in the chicken. But then again, there's also the macarena. But I know Americans do that too. Yeah. Hokey pokey. I grew up doing the hokey pokey. Oh yeah. Yeah, I think. So please, please let us know if there's a dance that is known for your local area that you do at weddings and social gatherings. We'd we'd love to know what your version of the Nutbush City Limits song. Is mm, the Nutbush Sidman's dance? I have one over here for um, the Afro Caribbean community in the UK, which my boyfriend is quite a part of. 
there is a song here that they have a similar song that everyone gets up and does at weddings, Ooh. but oh. he can't do it. Oh, <laughs> oh no, he's a pariah. <laughs> I like it's a song that everyone gets on the dance floor and does it. So I've had a crack at learning that. I'm not very good. <laughs> what 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 is the song? I can't remember. Yeah, it's another. <laughs> it's a dance song that happens. We learnt um, old time dancing. Did you guys learn old time dancing like Gypsy Tap and the Pride of Erin oh, yeah. and? Yeah, no. bush dance. We, we, it was called bush dancing at my school. Oh, really? Because bush dancing was like strip the willow. Yeah, strip the willow. Like square kind of dancing. Strip the willow. Mm. Strip the willow as well. I was sort of pride of Erin. Erin, mm. hey, the old, yeah, the old English dances. Yeah, I remember the one where it's like slap your thigh, slap the other thigh, then you go around in a circle, and that was like bush yeah. dancing. Yeah, that's like. bush dancing. Old time yeah. dancing is more, you know, the waltzing and yeah. Canadian two step. Oh, I didn't learn that. No, I learned that in primary school. Mm. Just because I wasn't in any sports, so they chucked me in dancing with teachers. Oh, that was fun. We had to learn. We it. should be learning, shouldn't we? Like kids should be learning, mm. like indigenous dance with storytelling that would be lovely yes they would really enjoy and that. some dream time stories i always wanted to learn yeah. those. i learned dream time stories now all they learn is is how to dance the twerk so. <laughs> what about flossing yeah that, that, that was <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably, yeah. Jeez. that's just me with a towel cleaning <laughs> yeah just after lunch i've got my fortnight class yeah <laughs> i used to know what jaylee was singing about when she said floss <laughs> Oh, uh, I I love I love it if we have some young listeners who just have to listen to like all of us old people who are like ah oh, oh, what the hell is a floss speak oh. <laughs> for yourself maybe right. you're the generation I'm talking about listening being like oh these old people talk about flossing all the time I'm not in their generation how oh, she's a millennial yes yes I don't know I'm in the middle she's mature for her age yeah to me a millennial is someone who is born around the millennium not someone who lived through the millennium yeah I always thought that but apparently. It's not. Yeah, because yeah, I lived through the millennium. Can I be a millennial? <laughs> <laughs> no, but I mean, you know, was a was a teenager around the. Oh. Oh, okay. Those special people who were teenagers around the millennium. So just you. <laughs> well, the stuff that you learn when you're a teenager is is basically shapes your your adulthood as well. Oh, that's so. scary. Then that means I learn everything in the eighties. <laughs> I'm screwed. <laughs> You do love to wear tie-dye and uh, a ponytail on your head. Yeah, yeah. I'm about to buy a tie-dye sweater. Oh, there you go. Yes. Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) Does that happen when you turn 40? You buy a tie-dye sweater? Yeah. I think it might do. I think – do you remember – I think, though, the the highlight of my use was hyper-colour T-shirts. Yeah, yeah, same, yeah. Yeah. That was was very 90s, yeah. Yeah, and when you get them and then you're like, oh, they just make your armpits a different Mm. (laughs) colour. Are we on a Doctor Who podcast? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Anyway. Let's get back to it. Yeah, we are heading back that way. The carrier knights are expelled, taking love's labours one with them. The audience erupts into applause, thinking it a special effect. It's a good one. Mm. Death Eaters. Will uses the chance to bloody try up and cha- try and chat up Martha Jones again. Why <laughs> not? She's a bit hot. Come on, you were always killed, mate. Keep it in your uh, pants. I don't know. I mean, the best way of her to get over the doctor would be to get yeah. onto someone else. Maybe she could just mm. make a move. <laughs> I think she should have given him a snog. You're not going to get a chance to snog Shakespeare very often in your life, are you? Yeah, but he had bad breath. Ah, get over it. Yeah, he had bad breath there. Yeah, and, and the, but then after she's like, we should record this play and make a mint, so the doctor goes, you can tell people you met Shakespeare. And she's like, yeah, and then I'd be sectioned. 
more than Turin was. The doctor finds a skull that reminds him of a sycorax, and William Shakespeare decides to use the word in an example of a bootstrap paradox. The name sycorax comes from the Tempest, but is more commonly known as the name of a Doctor Who villain. Mm. William Shakespeare has decided to move on from Love's Labours One and write about fathers and sons to work through the grief of the death of his son, Hamnet. <laughs> I like I like Martha. Hamnet. <laughs> This may seem like a throwaway joke, but Hamnet is the actual name of Shakespeare's son mm. who Aww. passed away when he was 11. Of actual, what did he say, pox? Yeah. Plague pox. I believe it was the, the death, Aww. the Black Death, yeah. That's so sad. Yeah, they really could have brought back the Bionic Plague. Mm. My, my thought was quite real. Mm. Can you imagine being his wife and then all of a sudden it's like, come see Hamlet. Did you say Hamnet? No, Hamlet. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, tell us about the relationship between the father and son. Yeah, yeah, he kill he kills his dad. What, uh, uh, what the fuck's going on here, Will? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just thinking the name Hamnet, like old Germanic. Like, mm. I don't know. It was pretty big up. It wasn't as good as Doomfinger, but apparently it was a pretty big <laughs> name in those days. <laughs> just, it sounds weird, doesn't it? I've got a ham net here. <laughs> How many hams did you catch? A ham in net. It's a net just for ham. <laughs> don't you go putting bacon in there. I don't want chicken in my ham net. Bacon <laughs> is ham. Bacon is pork, but it's not. Anyway, yeah. Yes, well, it's, it's not a pork net. It's a ham net. Yes. The crystal ball holding the Carrionites will be stored in the TARDIS attic. Uh, William Shakespeare, that genius, has worked out that the Doctor isn't from Earth and that Martha is from the future. Mm. Hey, nonny, nonny. He's so clever. That's where we get the original Doctor Who play from. The 1500s. <laughs> we know where he got the idea of witches from, William Shakespeare as well. <laughs> yes, yeah. Yep. Hey, I know about witches. That's some. I'm not sure the speech at the end, I just want to be controversial here, the speech at the end that was going to stop the carrion, witches, whatever they are, I didn't think it was strong enough. No. I think it could have been better. Mm. Yeah, you don't, you don't think the modern writers who was trying to write in Shakespeare's voice didn't do a good enough job? No. And I felt like it would have taken a few more lines, like based on like the coloured storm, the amount of death eaters that appeared to be there. I was like, I feel like you'd need to go on a few more sonnets. It was very anticlimactic, wasn't it? Yes. And the doctor tells him it needs to be perfect. It needs to have the exact words. Half of it is like, oh, do you got any suggestions, anyone, anyone else? Yeah, it, it was a bit, I mean, that it did feel a bit, <laughs> not rushed, but... Like they didn't put the effort in to make it something really spectacular, or maybe they thought it was spectacular and the rest of us just didn't. I'm just saying, well, that would be my controversial. I feel like mm. that's your pivotal scene of the entire episode. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if you've actually written this episode and you've not gone, let's just get a lot of Shakespeare reference and cram them all into one episode, which, okay, may have been what happened, but if you're actually building, that should be the moment. Not just the special effects, it should be, we should see Shakespeare, like, go off. Mm. Maybe the writer wrote the poem and he's like, this sounds like Shakespeare. I should write a whole episode around this. (laughs) (laughs) I guess everyone has, like, every writer has probably done creative film studies or writing and has had to study Shakespeare for one or two units at uni and is like, you know what? Let's put this to use. I can do my own version of Shakespeare. And then, you know, high school teachers are a bit funky, like, oh, we can play the Doctor Who episode with Shakespeare references. 
They actually do that, though. Yeah, yeah, they get the kids. They do. Oh, my God. Hey, if you guys, you guys, if this episode, like, you know, went off, we could end up in high schools. Oh. And now we're going to play that famous D4WH episode about the Shakespeare Code. There's a few beeps in there. Yeah, and, and the one in which they reference Doomfinger as several different types of marital aids. <laughs> Sexual education as well. <laughs> I once did that when I when I was training to be a teacher. I was at a pra- at a religious school, and uh, they were doing advertising. So I brought in the the Gruen transfer, and of course, the first episode I put on had to be all about like sex cells and oh. you know, bikinis and people in underwear. And the head teacher turned it off. <laughs> Jesus Christ. We had to watch a different episode. You got in trouble. <laughs> I was mortified. You had to sit down and read Deuteronomy then, didn't you? Oh, did you get special <laughs> feedback after that lesson? Uh, I was, yeah, I was told to uh, look at the episodes and know what I was showing the students before putting it on. Yeah, that, that, yeah, would, be, yeah. that would be the great idea, wouldn't it? <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Preparation, Adam. Shakespeare says goodbye to Martha by quoting famous sonnet 18, Shall I compare thee to a summer's day, which is generally accepted to be about the beauty of a young man. Mm. Mm. Well, it's not. It's about Martha. Beauty of a young man. (laughs) There's a whole bunch of sonnets that are apparently about how beautiful a young man is. Strapping young man. I've never heard that, but I, I assume I went to religious school. They weren't going to tell me something that controversial during high school. It's about getting married. <laughs> it's about getting married and not having sex till you're married. Okay. And only having it to procreate. <laughs> yeah, and not enjoying it. Don't you enjoy it. Close your eyes and think of England. Queen Elizabeth I <laughs> has heard about the goings-on from the night before and has turned up for a performance. However, she spies the doctor calling him my sworn enemy and off with his head. And what is great is at that time we had no idea yeah. why uh, Elizabeth I would hate him or he was her sworn enemy. It was ages later that we worked out it was um, because he married her and then nicked off. Yeah. <laughs> the problem is the doctor has even met Queen Elizabeth I yet so he has no idea why she hates him they scarper back to the TARDIS leaving the storyline open until the 50th anniversary special Mm. that's it, that's the Shakespeare Code Oh, it's just like the little dolls. The voodoo dolls? Yeah, they're there all the time. They're already made. Yeah, do they just have a supply? Yeah, I just want to know where they came from. Well, I think you have one. Don't you have one and then you just put different hair on it? Oh, you think you could modify it with just the hair? Yeah, that's what I thought. Oh, I thought they had a different one for each one. No, I thought it was was just one and then as a DNA replicator she just put the different hair in. Oh, okay. Once you kill someone you rip their hair out and throw it. Right, okay. So we could just all get one. I thought they had a selection so they're like, oh quick, I'll kill this guy and you're like, oh whoops, that was a wrong doll. Uh, <laughs> oh one, shit, oh, I like him. Oh, oh shit, that was my doll. Oh, fuck. So if you want to try this at home, just get one doll, you only need one and then you just need to be very adept at cutting off bits of people's hair and you too can be a carry on yeah. yeah, and it wasn't like she, I thought she was uh, when I remember this episode, I thought she was plucking a like a single hair. She cuts a giant chunk of hair. No, I it's like mm. they would notice. You're a bit bald there. Yes. What? what? I swear I used to have some hair. Cuts off your ponytail. Woo! <laughs> and then you see a doll with this giant ponytail coming out. You're like, oh, there we go. I know which doll this oh, is. It's a troll doll. <laughs> 
All right. Uh, as we always like to do, we like to give a, the episode a score out of five, one being the worst, five being the best. Nakia, would you like to go first? Yeah, I will. I wasn't looking forward to watching it and... I enjoyed it more than I thought I would. Then I saw that uh, Daleks in Manhattan's coming up, so I'm not looking forward to that. But look, I'm going to give it a 3.5. Okay. There were some bits of it that made me laugh. I kind of enjoyed it. The witches were, you know, interesting. Doomfinger will always be my favourite name now. So, <laughs> yeah, it's three and a half, three and a half. Cat. That's uh, fairly brutal. I was thinking, like, obviously not the most interesting, but enjoyable. And, you know, a little bit tried and true when they tried to squeeze all the Shakespeare in, in the world, into one single episode. Well, I would have gone like five and a half or six. Out, out of five. five. Oh, no, out of five. I was thinking out of ten. <laughs> okay, well, in that case. Sorry, I thought you said ten at the start. No, you're right. No, no, it's all right. No wonder you thought I was brutal. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> I thought you liked this show. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I thought, yeah, maybe closer to a, a three out of five. I thought it was very enjoyable, but a little bit too twisty. It tried a little bit too hard to squeeze everything in, so maybe not as focused on the storyline and parts as it should have been, as I say, and the big bang at the end could have been bangier. Bangier, I like that. <laughs> Beck. I would agree with Nakia. I didn't really like this episode. It felt... It felt very filler, but not, like, on the higher end of just a filler episode. Yeah, like, I liked Shakespeare, studying Shakespeare when I was in high school, but I just thought there was a lot of problematic things, like, with Martha and the episode. It could have been a lot better written, like, if they'd actually sat down and, you know, gone past what they'd already learnt about Shakespeare and learnt some new things about Shakespeare as well, then they could have done it a whole lot better. So I'm, I'm going to give it a yeah, two out of five. Yeah. You think they just cracked out a first draft and they were like, nah, that'll do. Yep, pretty much. But I like that because that's true. They could have dug a bit deeper and found out some of the stuff that you didn't learn in high school about Shakespeare that would have educated the audience, made it interesting, yeah. Yeah, perhaps they just got a high schooler to write the episode. Uh, look, I'm going to give it a 2.5. I think, you know, there's, there's parts of the episode I enjoy, but overall it's a very hammy episode. It's, it's sort of... The obligatory Shakespeare episode, you knew Doctor Who was going to do it at some point. I mean, it is a special episode. I do remember this episode. We'll talk in the mini episode about just how special this episode is. But overall, I, I was like you, Nakia. I wasn't really looking forward to watching this episode again. There's some episodes where it's like, mm, you know, if I have to. Mm. <laughs> And this is kind of this is kind of one of them. It was it was fun to talk about, you know. Mm. But overall, unless I was uh, making fun of it, I don't I don't hate it for any particular reason. But yeah, they could have really punched this up for what this episode means to the series, you know. Being Shakespeare, you know, Doctor Who can't necessarily go back and meet Shakespeare again because they've done it, mm, and it doesn't work again. And they you see they met Van Gogh in such a, or Van Gogh in such a beautiful episode. You feel like he deserved a better episode because meeting. Yeah. Meeting um, Charles Dickens, sorry, I couldn't think of his name. Yeah. Um, meeting him, I think they sort of squandered that a little bit too. 
Yeah, like no one ever goes, oh, remember the episode that, sh- that Shakespeare was on? Oh, that was a great episode. Mm, but you think about Van Gogh and you remember that episode. All right, Nakia, do you have a question you would like to ask Kath? I do, Kath. Everybody who's on the podcast, we ask them what their Time Lord name would be. So the Doctor chooses the Doctor because it's do no harm and he's there to help people. Mm. Adam's Time Lord name is the nerd. Okay, because he can find all the little bits that don't work. Yes. Bectex, uh Time Lord name is the artist. <laughs> the artist, because uh, she's arty and she's crafty and draws. Mine was given to me by my family. It's the commander. I'm not quite as happy with that, <laughs> but it is. It is a name that either who you wish you were, what you aspire to be, or that describes who you are, so the something. I, um, how would I put this? I possibly already have a Time Lord name in the, um, for my capoeira, my Brazilian martial art. Um, our capoeira instructor was very bad at giving out names, and so I've given myself the name of Buffy. <laughs> ah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so you're the Buffy. The Buffy. Yeah, it's it's the feistiness and stuff in my character um, <laughs> that, yeah, I think it encapsulates. Um, yes, I can see me accidentally creating um, a big storm in, in accidentally in universes <laughs> and having to fight a lot of people. So when we turn up in the TARDIS, you're the Buffy, you're there to, what, just kick ass? Yeah, I'll be there kicking ass yeah. and then I'll be like, <laughs> we need to head back. <laughs> We've done it again. Run, guys, run. <laughs> you kick ass in the most 90s way possible. <laughs> Do you say things like, oh, shit, I killed my grandfather again? <laughs> <laughs> Just everything. Do over. <laughs> Do over, yeah. Although it's it's Buffy, so she'd probably make out with her grandfather. <laughs> oh. There was a lot of smoochy smoochy on that show. But only if there's vampires, really. Yeah, I was a big Buffy fan back in the day, yeah. Yeah, yeah so I think I'd go with Buffy. All right, we've got it. The Buffy, fantastic. The Buffy you are. All right, uh, thank you so much for joining us, Kat. Lovely. Yes. Thank you for, so much for having me. A lot of fun. And staying up late. It's a pleasure. Yes. yes. Yeah. <laughs> Kath, do you have anything you would like to plug? Uh, yes. I've got a new character I've been working on um, called Spiritual Sally. So there should be more episodes coming soon of um, me connecting to the other side. The next episode, I'm going to be teaching you all how to meditate. But the current one oh. that's out is about creating New Year's resolutions. It's not too late. So, uh, cool. yes. That's a uh, spiritual salad. Yeah, it's very good. It's very funny. I, I just watched it. Just oh, before, thank you. So. Yeah, well, I think I've got to do something in this lockdown besides improv online. <laughs> True. <laughs> uh, and are, are you doing uh, shows on online for lockdown or? Um, for improv and stuff, I've got, I've also have social distance worries, but that will be long gone, the episode I'm in. That's this week in the UK. Sure. So I've done the, yeah, I've done some online gigs with um, various people. And do you have, do you have a, uh, comedy page yeah yeah i've got you can find me i really do most on insta kath marvelli m-a-r-v-e-l-l-e-y and i'm on twitter insta facebook and youtube with the spiritual sally video as well but i don't do much on twitter i use twitter as i put it on my bio resentfully <laughs> I do not want to be on twitter <laughs> i do not want to i do not want to be on twitter i i don't like it i am there 
I would much rather be on Instagram, but never mind. Mm. Sure. Whenever I remember to go on Twitter, I'm like, oh, we've got some notifications. And it's like, such and such just posted. I'm like, oh, okay. What yeah. I, why do I get a no- notification about that? Yeah. I'm not a big Twitter fan either. No. Nakia, do you have anything you would like to plug? Uh, yes, I'd just uh, plug my other podcast, which is Neighbourhood Watching with Beck and Nick. Episodes come out on Mondays. And they're on uh, Podbean and all the other, you know, Apple and all of those. And we have a uh, Facebook page and we're also on Instagram. And it is Neighbourhood Watching with Beck and Nick. And it's spelt the Australian way, neighbour. <laughs> of course it is. Oh, it has to be. Australia and, and the UK. Australia and the UK. <laughs> All those extra letters. You'll find on Instagram we're N-W-W-B-A-N, which is just the initials of Neighbourhood Watching with Beck and Nick. And are, are you hoping to take over from NWO, the New World Order? or NWW? Yeah, we thought we would. Uh, we're getting there. <laughs> we're only five episodes in, but already world domination is looking very, very, very <laughs> possible. Uh, and Beck Tech, do you have anything you would like to plug? No, not this time around. Uh, your art? Yeah, no, I haven't been doing much on my art page lately. So, Have you uh, been crocheting a pita heater for us? No, I'm making a knitted baby blanket at the moment for my sister-in-law, but that's oh, about it. I thought it was for me. Okay. No. Oh, wait, are you having a baby? No. I just want a blanket. <laughs> are you, wait, Nikia, are you having a baby or are you, are you planning on nicking a baby? Is that nicking. what, is that? I'm going to knit a baby. Oh, you're yeah. going to knit a baby. Sure, sure, sure. Once I get the pattern, yeah. I wish it was that easy, but no. <laughs> or nick a baby. I'm not sure which one, but, you know, whichever's easier. Probably just nicking one. You have to knit the diaper and then you have to knit it when it mess- messes itself, you know. Yeah, I know, I know. It's a lot of work. Uh, it's a lot easier when you're a small child and not like a full-grown mm. adult. Oh, it's a lot easier when you're uh, an elderly person because then you can also shit yourself again. Yeah, looking forward to that. Yeah, but then you've got an old person as well. Babies are tiny. As always, you can follow Adam O'Sullivan Comedian on Facebook and visit thenerdinfinite.com. Until next time, keep searching the skies for the doctor. Goodbye. Bye. 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 This has been a production of The, the Nerd, Nerd Infinite. And then the sound of dragons spitting fire and stuff. What? Why are you looking at me like that?